Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about, plus one very sad announcement at the end, but let's get through all this first, and then we'll talk about that later. So let's jump in. First up, JT Studio is now selling a version of ClusterM's FDS key that features an injection molded case that was made by Retro Gamer Store, who makes those amazing brand new uh, injection molded clear cases for older consoles. And there's also an optional cable that you could buy separately that allows the FDS key to work on sharp twin Famicoms, which is pretty awesome because if you have one of those, it's a really amazing console, but those drives do wear out. So what if you want to sometimes use your discs, but sometimes use the disc emulation or what if your drive has died and you don't really have that choice? I think that's absolutely awesome. So uh, if you want the FDS key, the price is $40 plus shipping and those are in stock right now. And I believe the twin Famicom cable is a pre-order. So if you're looking for just a quick unboxing, I posted something up on social media. But this is a pretty cool product, and I'm looking forward to... Uh, I'm actually sending the one that Retro Gamer Store sent me out to somebody to do a good review of it. Somebody that's got a lot more knowledge on the FDS than I do. So hopefully that we can see that on the sooner side. Also, if you're not sure what this is at all... Uh, just kind of without wasting everybody's time, look up what a Famicom disk system is. It's essentially the original Famicom and you sit that on top of a floppy disk drive and then there's a RAM module that plugs into the cartridge slot and that's how you get the floppy drive interfaced into your Famicom. And what this does is simply replicate the floppy drive. You even select your games right uh, on the screen built into this, then power on your system and then what ends up happening is it's a very accurate recreation of the original because you're still using the RAM module and the only thing you're emulating is the game data, the disk data, not any of the chips that are on the RAM module. So for people that just love having their full setups or for purists that want something a little bit more accurate, this is probably the way to go. But for me personally, I just think this stuff is absolutely awesome. And uh, I, I think that it's just one of those cool things where, sure, there's a million ways to play Famicom Disk System games, but this is a very neat thing if you have original hardware and want to keep using it. 
I recently posted a tutorial that shows people how to get 4K60 lossless captures. And before I go any further, I just want to reiterate what I said many times in the video. You probably don't need to do this. In fact, even reviewers might be able to just take lossless PNG still shots and mix that with compressed video shots in order to get their point across. However, if you are somebody that really needs to do deep analysis or if you just really like the best captures ever, you could do this using the methods that I showed and compatible computer hardware. So I used a Live Gamer 4K capture card to demonstrate this, but there's a few on the market that do it. I just chose this one because of cost. I think it's about 200 bucks now if you use the affiliate link. <laughs> Please do if you need to buy one of these. I also did a full review of it last year, I believe, that proved that it is a solid and reliable card. But there are definitely others that are out there that you could use. But the main points are just a very specific way to set the software. An absolutely critical hardware requirement in this special type of SSD. And then a couple of ways to double check to make sure you're actually getting all 60 frames per second of a lossless capture. It's not compressing the image or anything like that. So it's way more complicated than you'd expect. Um, getting this video to the way it is, even though it's a short video that's pretty easy to follow, it was almost two years worth of research. I think about a year and a half plus maybe, uh, just to be able to verify all of this stuff and all the little nitpicks in there. So I really, really wanted to get this out to help people. Um, and after the video was released, not at all the intent of my video, but after the video was released, I do realize that people who enjoyed it, even if they're not content creators or need to do anything like this, might get a window of what it takes to verify and do all of these capture and comparison shots. Because I think with all the respect in the world, a lot of people who watch these things might just think it's as simple as recording two videos and lining them up in a timeline and might not realize that there's a lot that goes into double checking, making sure everything lines up and making sure that you're actually getting comparison shots that represent what you're trying to compare. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I've seen a few video reviews over the years where people had wrong capture methods and things they were zooming into and using as points for or against something were actually capture artifacts, not what they were analyzing. So it's uh, it's very cool that I get to show a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to do this. And to be honest, it's also nice that more people might understand why it's so unbelievably offensive for a company that used these comparison shots and the hundreds of hours of work that I put into doing it for them to make a video mocking it to launch a product. Hopefully now People might understand a little bit more why that was so unbelievably offensive. However, I also did kind of make that video for them so that they could show that footage they've been promising for a while. Because while it's going to be huge files, I'm sure if there was a really good example of what anybody who's putting out new 4K60 products, I think if somebody really wanted to show that, you could probably just upload a giant 50 gigabyte torrent and anybody that cared enough to really dig in and see some examples could do so and watch it on a monitor that's being set to 4k 60 to really understand what you're getting so hopefully this video could help everybody at developers people who make scalers reviewers anybody that really needs to dig in and get lossless 4k 60 captures and by the way you could use this exact method for lossless 4k 120 
or even lossless 4K60, you just don't need as crazy of the specs for that. Although it does make it easier if you over-spec for things like that. So hopefully this would be a help to people. Obviously this isn't gonna be a 100,000 view video, but hopefully the people that need it or just my fellow nerds that are curious would give this one a watch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Next up, the artist Remute has just opened pre-orders on their latest album, and this one is for MS-DOS. So Remute has released albums over the years for Genesis, Super Nintendo, Game Boy Advance, and just countless others. And they're all music that's generated using the chips on the console. And that way you get a true experience of what it's like to make and listen to music that's made by that original hardware. And this time Remute has done so using MS-DOS. And all tracks were generated in real time by the Impulse Tracker format. And the player was programmed by the MS-DOS specialist banana boy and this isn't just a way to listen to music this release also has interactivity with the possibilities of switching on and off parts of the song as you're listening there's also visuals by demo scene artist alien pdx and you could play this either on retro pcs with ms dos running or on dos box or on any of the methods that i've been testing recently where you could it's you know hybrid emulation using that on raid stuff i've been testing so you know th this is just awesome this is just yet another uh, very cool way to experience music that's kind of true to form. Um, and it's just like, you know, the Genesis release. You could play it on a mister. You could play it on your analog uh, and uh, the analog console. I forgot which one it is. So many acronyms. Or you could use it on an original Sega Genesis. And it's just like this. You know, if you're a, an original PC enthusiast with some very cool sound equipment, I think you would love it. And if you're just somebody that wants to listen through emulation and get a close to original experience, that's awesome too. If you want to hear more from Dennis Remute, please check out the interview we did a while back. Uh, it was before the latest releases, but you still get a window into his history and the other awesome music that he's created. So, uh, you know, as always, I'm looking forward to listening to this and uh, I just can't wait to see what he does next. I recently tested a cheap component video switch that's three in, one out. And for the money, this thing is absolutely awesome. It's about 20 bucks. I reviewed one that I got from AliExpress. However, a bunch of people had contacted me to say the exact same switch is available on Amazon. A couple people reminded me that this switch was on the HD Retrovision approved list, which I totally forgot about. Sorry, Nick and Steve. But I ended up picking one up to test myself. And for the 20 bucks, it's awesome. Um, the major test that I did was, first of all, does it add any interference? So using all HD retrovision cables, I connected a Super Nintendo, a Genesis, 
And then I had the HD Retrovision regular RCA cables going to the RetroTINK 4K. And I tested direct into the tank. I tested through the switch. And then I tested through the switch with another console powered on and just switched between them. And no more interference was added. It's the same small amounts of analog interference you will always see on any analog signal. So overall, it is my strong opinion that 20 bucks is worth the gamble if you're on a low budget or if you're just waiting for a G comp to go in stock. And uh, the one thing that I will add is there were more people that said they used it and liked it after I posted on social media, but there were a few people that said, oh, this thing died after three months. But that's why I wanted to really stress the point of this is a $20 switch. And I always try to impress upon people that you get what you pay for. So if you buy this for 20 bucks and you only have three component video consoles you need to switch between and you have to buy one every year and a half, that's still pretty darn cheap, all things considered. And yes, of course, I like to buy quality things. I like things to last a reasonable period of time, but for 20 bucks, that's pretty awesome. So it's just, yes, there's always a chance that you're going to buy a cheap piece of electronics like this that's going to end up dying after a month or two. And that stinks when it happens. And that's something that you should always keep in mind when buying very cheap devices like this. But I just think it's so worth the risk. What if you pick this one up and it just works for you? Whether it's all you would ever need or whether it works until you get a G-Comp and then you throw this in a drawer and just use it whenever you need it for the money, I am totally okay recommending it, knowing that a couple of people might get a bum one. If this was a hundred bucks, hell no, absolutely not. But for 20, I think most people would go into this with that knowledge going, yeah, that's worth the risk. And you know what? If you disagree, don't buy it. That's absolutely awesome too. Um, so if you want to see exactly how I tested in real time, I have a segment of a live stream that kept dying. I'll talk about that later. But the one that I embedded in this just happens to be focused on this switch. So if you really just wanted to see in real time how I tested it and just double check that this is you know what you were looking for, then check that out. And if not, all of the info and links are right in the post. Next up, Mike Chi has just released another beta firmware for the RetroTINK 5X for anybody to download and try out on their existing units. And this one adds a whole bunch of features that were actually designed for the RetroTINK 4K, but Mike thought, hey, let's see if they'll work on the 5X. And one of them, which I'll get to in a second, Mike was sure that the 5X wasn't powerful enough to handle it and yet still found a way to jam it in. So I just, I think it's absolutely amazing that Mike is still thinking about existing customers and just showing, you know, proving through actions and not words that if you've bought a RetroTINK 5X, you're gonna continue to get free updates, free features and free support without paying any extra money even after the Tink 4K comes out. And on top of that, Mike has also been proving to everybody that as things are added and tweaked on the 4K, that knowledge is also being used to update the thing that existing customers already have. So definitely props where props are due for that. Uh, however, let's jump into the actual features. The first is exciting and weird and fun and the type of nerdy stuff that I love talking about. 2-2 pull-down for 480i 30 games. So what this essentially is, is a way to make a 480i game that's locked at 30 frames per second 
a 60 frame per second output that doesn't require any of the existing deinterlacing methods. So it ends up a little bit sharper than uh, any of the motion adapter or anything else with less artifacts. Wobbling Pixels posted an absolutely awesome comparison shot demonstrating this. I embedded that in the post. I also used a resized version as the thumbnail. So please check out the one that's embedded because that's going to be the full sized version of it. But that alone is really cool because if you know for a fact that a PS2 game is locked at 4K, 30 it'll look way better than any of the other methods the downside to this is if it's an unlocked frame rate game that's you know varies between 20 and 40 let's just say this is not the deinterlacing method that you'd want if it's a game that's mostly 30 and occasionally maybe dips a couple of frames i think this is still fine i think the overall result would be better than even the great motion adaptive that the tank 5x already has but what we really need is a list of the games that are locked to 480i30 or very, very close to, like I just mentioned. There are some lists out there, but they're not correct. Respectfully, I appreciate anybody who took the time to make that. But some of the games listed definitely are under the category of 4, 4K, or I'm sorry, 480i30-ish, not really, uh, but more of a variable frame rate, not locked. And we need something that's basically locked. So if you have the ability to contribute to that, please just you know, jump on consolemods.org or something else. Next, uh, there is an inverse Telesyn deinterlacer that works in conjunction with the time-based correction added to the previous beta firmware that I may have forgotten to post about. Sorry, Mike. Um, but this is essentially for people using the Tink 5X for VHS, Laserdisc, DVDs in their original 480i form that does a much better job with anything that's 24p content. Uh, explaining what that is is something I'd love to do just a podcast on or a separate video. But basically, if you're one of the shockingly many, many people who uses their Tink 5X for that kind of content, that features for you. Also, there's the ability to input S video over the green and blue RCA jacks, which is another awesome feature because if you're like me and you're running mostly component video through an Extron crosspoint, let's I'm pointing to something that's just off camera, sorry. But um, you could then just run your S-video connections through the green and blue jacks and then just use your tank to switch over whenever you go to S-video-based content. Exactly how if you were going between component and composite, you could just run composite through green and switch that way. So now you could have all three signals just running into the single input on the back of the tank, which makes wire management a heck of a lot easier overall. So the full list of features are down here. Um, you can download the beta firmware right from the Dropbox link. And I'm sure this will end up being an official firmware eventually. Mike just likes to have these floating around for a while for the people that want to try it out. But it is important to note that if you need to go back to any firmware, nothing is locked. The hardware isn't locked down. So if you try this beta and you find out, oh, this broke another feature, please uh, you know, submit a bug, bug report, but you could just go right back to the original one. So if any of the features listed sound like something that really is something that you would use for your setup, just give it a try knowing there's no downside to this. If it doesn't work for you, then you just put it back to the way it was. And of course, I have embedded in here the two different videos on how to update your Tinks firmware on either Mac or PC. So as always, thanks so much to Mike for just continuing to put this stuff out and continuing to update the products. And these are features that are kind of niche and weird and unique, but the people who use them are going to love them. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retrosource. 
I forgot to add Lou's section in last week. I'm so sorry, Lou. I was hanging out with you at the expo, and then I got home, and I had to whip up the podcast as quickly as I could last Tuesday morning. And then by the time I realized your video was out, I had recorded it before the video was out. Yeah, I screwed that one up. My apologies to everybody. Hopefully, you're all subscribed to Lou on YouTube, so you were able to get this info without, uh, without going through this podcast. But let me run through what we have this week. First of all, users of the Ironclad Plus I.O. board now have another option for getting MT32 sound. A new updated internal MT32 Pi hat is available for purchase. The previous one required forked cores to work and uh, the to use and the and to use snack had to be physically removed. So you had to remove it in order to also use snack. This one doesn't have those limitations and it will be about 25 euros. Next, Robert is absolutely killing it with the N64 core. There's a bunch of new features, including one to enable or disable texture filtering. So not only is Robert working on reverse engineering this and getting it working for mystery users, but at the same time, he's also adding features that you can't easily do on original hardware. You can't just flip that toggle off in an N64 menu. You have to use patches and stuff like that. So it's getting really exciting. It's something that's very, very cool. And I'm very happy to see Robert just making so much amazing progress. Next up, that cycle accurate Genesis Mega Drive core that we had talked about has been officially released. You just need to uh, update using whatever normal update method you've been using. I still use and really love update all from the Ypsilon and it supports master system games as well. Uh, and its own standalone core has that in addition to the current Genesis one. So these cores should look for the game in the Mega Drive game folder. Uh, so I guess you might have to use a different folder name or sim links than the Genesis folder you were previously using, which is not a big deal at all. It's very easy to set up. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I'm really excited to, and I really want to see if I could tell a difference. I might actually use Snack just to to get as original of a total feel as possible to see if I could hear, see, or feel any differences. But to be honest, the existing Genesis core was pretty awesome. So I'm really excited to see if I could even tell the difference, see if my skills are still up. To... Um, next, Hotego released a new beta for the arcade game, The Final Round. It was a 1988 boxing game. So if you're a Patreon subscriber of Hotego, just enable that and update all and you're able to get it. And if not, uh, Hotego stuff's always available free to the public eventually. Next, Mr. Add-ons is developing a dual SD RAM version of Mr. Cade, which is an, uh, essentially the Mr. the I/O board for the Mister that gets you Gemma output, and it seems like this one is probably going to be. Uh, it's a way to do it using the digital HDMI output, which would free up the pins for dual RAM, which is pretty cool. And if you have a really high-end arcade machine, you might be able to get a small upgrade in video quality, but probably not noticeable in most cases. $50 discounts are being offered to current Mr. Cade owners that want to upgrade. And $50 discounts are also being offered for digital aluminum kits for customers who purchased Mr. Kits that can't be switched to dual SD RAM. So that's pretty awesome customer service, right? I am um, annoyingly blunt about all of this stuff, but that includes the good. And I got to be just absolutely <laughs> blunt and annoying about this. I mean, Pork has zero requirements to give anybody discounts for existing products. If you bought something that's working absolutely perfectly now, there is no obligation to give a discount on uh, something that is an upgrade that might work 
better, might not, you know, whatever. So I just, you know, credit where credit's due. That's that's awesome and not needed. So just props for customer service there. Also, uh, Lou wanted to highlight the high-quality wallpapers Ronnie Snice has created for Mr. You could enable them and update all by going to the miscellaneous menu and set Ronnie Snice wallpapers to enabled. Yeah, I completely agree with Lou on this one. I have always, ever since the Ypsilon added that as a feature, I have enabled it. It is very cool. Um, I have it set so the random ones just pop up whenever and... Uh, not only is it a great replacement for the static background, which I do think looks cool on a CRT, but really kills capture and streaming, but they just look awesome. Ronnie did an amazing job on those. So I've been also politely pushing those for a while, and I hope people at least give them a chance. And, you know, it's all free. And if you decide you don't like them, you can just turn the feature off and go back to the way it was. But I, I definitely think this is worthy uh, a worthy thing to enable. And if you just want to download the wallpapers, there's a Google Drive link for that as well. Uh, also, Ronnie just released a Game Boy Color wallpaper and is working on wallpapers for 8-bit dough hardware. So that's pretty cool as well. So as usual, thanks so much to Lou for keeping up with all of this stuff. There's no chance that I would be able to keep up. Uh, so this is great just to have everything in one place and get all of these awesome updates. So thanks again to Lou. Please remember to subscribe on YouTube in case I ever forget to add the section into the podcast again. Ugh, what a moron. Sorry. But yep, thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Stika recently released a video about 20 bootleg games that are actually good. And Stika dug in deep and explained why they were good, the history uh, whenever available about each of them. And while I definitely recommend it, and I think it's a pretty neat look into stuff like this, I also want to reiterate a point that Stika made at the beginning of the video about how a lot of times bootlegs are mocked and they're something that are kind of frowned upon in the community. But in the context of this stuff, Bootlegs that were made 30 years ago during a, a much, much different time in gaming. Looking back and seeing this stuff is really a window into the uh, into the ingenuity of people around the world who just needed to get these games made and weren't able to get the contracts and the distribution rights and go through all of the different government things that you need to do to get this stuff done. So they just figured out a way to make it happen. And while, of course, I don't want to at all support any brand new bootleg games that are just clones of other stuff that good developers put a lot of work into, when you're looking back 20, 30 years... You know, if you download a bootleg retro game to try out now, you know, something that's a clone of a Konami game, you're not stealing from Konami. You're taking a look back into history and playing something that might actually be a really cool game. But if you do it for a brand new game, you know, think twice about that. So you're welcome to disagree with me. A lot of people do, and that's fine. But what you might want to do either way is check out Stika's video, because it was always really cool to kind of see a glimpse into all of these. And as with all of the videos that Stika highlights multiple games, very often I'll enjoy the whole video, even if there's only three or four games, I'm going to make a little note and say, oh, I'm going to go back and watch those, because sometimes I just kind of like seeing that this stuff exists and learning a bit about it. But a few times I kind of see some of these games and I go, ooh, that's one I definitely want to try. So either way, I'd say keep an open mind and give the video a try. Steve from RetroTech just uploaded a video about the Retro World Expo experience. And while I talked about it last week, I definitely wanted to show this video off because Steve showed all of the very cool things that we saw at the expo, from the Knight Rider car to the CRT with the remote storage case in it, to the work that we did right on the booth working on different CRTs. And it was just a very cool glimpse into the show and what hanging out with us nerds is like. You know, we just sitting there taking apart CRTs, rejuvenating it, 
YouTube and, you know, hooking up all of this cool stuff. So once again, thanks to Steve, Chris from Displaced Gamers, Lou, Macho Nacho, Tito, and all the other very, very awesome people that came to hang out with us over the weekend. It was really great hanging out with everybody. And uh, thanks to Steve for putting this video out because it's a neat glimpse into it. And I just wanted to share it here. I am very happy to announce that I have a bunch of new merch for sale. I have recently moved all of the links over from Teespring over to Artistic Pixels, and I just did a live stream with Ariel, who runs Artistic Pixels, showing off some of the new designs, the quality of the shirts, and even the hats that are now available. And I will absolutely stand by the stuff from Teespring. I bought every shirt that was sold to make sure that the quality was good and to make sure I wasn't just peddling crap to people who are nice enough to support. And that stuff was definitely good. But this is absolutely a step up. The shirt quality was unbelievable. They were nice and soft. They fit. I'm a little fluffy, in case you couldn't tell, but they still fit very nicely. So it was awesome showing off some of the new designs and hanging out with Ariel. And if you're somebody who sells merch, you might want to contact them. ArtisticPixels305.com. Links to everything are in the stream and in all the descriptions because it's the same link as before. RetroRGB.link forward slash t-shirts. And that brings you to all of the different merch. Also, I have no idea what happened to that live stream. Um, you know, I'm kind of notorious for having streams go haywire, but every single time I've uh, the stream has dropped and I had to reboot a computer or something, there was a very clear reason why it happened. You know, I knocked the power out of my router or I did a resolution change that crashed OBS or something, but I have no idea what happened this time. I contacted Epos Vox, who gave me a couple of tips on how I might be able to do a different type of stream. So if OBS disconnects, I could just reconnect to it, not making people go to a new stream, but I'm going to try my best. Uh, I always have bad luck with these things, but thanks to all of you for always being so awesome about it. Thanks to Ariel for hanging out and not only making those shirts, but hanging out in the stream and doing cool stuff. And hopefully we have some fun new retro RGB merch for anybody that's interested. And also anytime I've ever seen anybody with a retro RGB shirt, like it's every ounce of self-control not to run over and give them a big bear hug and thank them for supporting. It is so neat that people like these things and, and just want to want to show off their retro nerdiness. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. And once again, you know, thanks to Ariel for making these. I'm, I'm really happy with how these new shirts came out. Unfortunately, before I go, I have a really sad bit of news to share. A member of our community, Aaron Postman from Gamebox Systems has passed away. I just did a live stream with him six months ago where he was curling Shanks PVM live on stream and we were testing HDMI products and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I had talked to him a bunch behind the scenes and I was really looking forward to promoting some products that he had just started that were going to come out next year. And it's just really sad to be able to, to have to tell people that he has passed. Also, I owe you all an apology last week. Um, after I had already prepared and uploaded the podcast, but before Wednesday morning, I had first heard the news that he had passed, but I didn't want to believe it. I, I know that's really selfish. I, I get it. But I first just didn't want to believe that it was true. But also there were a few times in the past where I had heard or people had even contacted me saying people had passed, but it was a really poor tasted prank or just bad information. It's just an accident. So I, I just held off thinking, Maybe it's not true. I don't want it to be true. Let's just wait and see. And then I, I screwed up big time because then I wasn't able to announce the the funeral, which was streamed on Zoom, which I believe you could you could probably still see it if you want. So I apologize to all of you for my selfishness. I just 
didn't want it to be real. I just wanted somebody to come out the next day like, no, it was a mistake or, you know, oh, that the person who said it was mistaken or, or something. But unfortunately, it is very real and we lost a very cool person, which makes me very, very sad. So sorry to have to give the news here and uh, sorry for missing it before the funeral. But it's just, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I think we all just kind of deal with loss differently. And I didn't want to believe this one at first. But anyway, um, you know, sorry to leave you all on such a bad note, but I mean, I just wanted to get the word out there. So thanks to everybody who watches and listens and, you know, just uh, goodbye to Postman because it was a very cool person that I'm glad that I got to know just even a little bit. <laughs>